Last But Holding Hands podcast. We are Tim and Amy, and we hope you're having a lovely, happy Easter with your families. Yeah, so 
Um, we decided that we would do a little something here, um, a little something short just to talk about Easter and, um, you know, kind of just talk about what this weird Holy Week thing has been for us. Weird, but beautiful. I just think it's always funny because it's always our intention to do something short and then it ends up being like over an hour. So we'll see how long this actually goes. Yeah, I don't know how much we'll have to talk about, but, um, why don't you start a little bit and just talk about <clears throat> how Holy Week and Easter has been from your point of view. Yeah, I think um, I've been super, super thankful for this week. Um, I feel like all of the things that we do, all of our traditions that we have and all the, um, for Holy Week has been a huge break for me from all of the social distancing stuff. I feel like it's given me... Um, celebrate may not be the the right word, but just, um, uh, I, I feel like before Holy Week hit, I feel it was feeling kind of aimless and, um, you know, weighed down by all this stuff going on. And, and there was something about like going into Holy Week and having these traditions that we do that just like, I don't know, I felt like it lightened the load for me a lot. And I'm going to be kind of sad next week when it's sort of like all over. Um, because it, I, I don't know, like it just gave my body something to do, all the smells and the sounds and the the things that are traditions, like, I don't know, it was just really, it's been really awesome. It's been super awesome. What's been your favorite part? Um, <laughs> I think my favorite part was, this isn't actually something we've done in the past, but um, for Holy Saturday, our church did a um, blessing of the Easter food and Easter baskets, and um, that's a tradition that lots of churches do every year, but we have just never participated in that. And so we did that, and um, our priest, Father Eric, whom we love, um, gets super excited about um, holy water and sprinkling people whenever they do the sprinkling rite at church. And um, he gets really enthusiastic. And um, so he, like, sprinkled our basket in our car, and he came around to our windows and sprinkled us, and Lucy hollered out, I didn't get enough water. And so... Father Eric just looked so jubilant <laughs> over that and like came back and got her like really good. And it was just like his, her joy, like brought so much joy to him. And like just that community, even like out of the car window, even with all the social distancing, it was like still that coming together and just the joy that she brought him and like just that her giggle when she, he got her really good was one of my favorite things. And so, um, so we, I've been trying to share with friends, either by text or whatever, um, you know, what we do for um, Holy Week. And so that was a new one this year for us. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. Why, why are you getting emotional? I don't know. I, so I always get super emotional when you play guitar. Um, my sister, I'm that way with my sister too. Like the moment they all start singing, I get super emotional. <laughs> I don't know why. And um, it's like instant, just waterworks on. Um, and I don't know, like... I feel like a big mix of emotions this week and today. Um, and I've been trying to just like sit in that. And I don't know. I know you asked me about it. So now it's getting worse. <laughs> so you talk for a second. Let yeah. me get myself under control here. Yeah. So so it's kind of interesting, right? Like, you know, one of the things. Yeah, I don't have any tissues. Yeah, here, you sorry. don't. Thanks. Um, <laughs> real life, guys. Um, yeah. So one of the things that's kind of been interesting for me is like, and this always happens, so this isn't different. But it's like Holy Week and Easter is is always like a weird holiday from like a um, like a logistical point of view. So like Holy Thursday starts Holy Week, but I usually work that day, 
So it's kind of like just the evening of a work day. And then we have, you know, Good Friday, which I typically take off. I've, I've taken it off most of our marriage. Um, and then Saturday and Sunday, and then Monday we go back to work again. So you have this like holiday thing, but then, you know, Friday and Saturday, um, and really, I mean, you know, Holy Thursday, but then Friday and Saturday are sort of mournful and fasting and things like that. So, um, you know, we try to keep things a little bit quiet around here. And then there's Easter, which is this jubilant thing. And then we go back to work. And so it always kind of like wedges into this, um, feels a little bit rushed. And, and also I always find myself unprepared. You know, we've talked about excess 90 a bunch and probably do another podcast about how that went this year or, or mentioned at some point. But what's, what's kind of interesting is it's not like Easter snuck up on me. You know, I've been counting it down for 90 days. Right. So I've, I've known it's coming, but it still snuck up on me. Um, so Holy Thursday got here. And, you know, what I've realized is that in a lot of ways, the church, um, I've been on a little bit of church autopilot because there's always been so much going on at church. And, you know, when we were first married and didn't have kids, we took greater part of it. And then when we had little kids, it's hard, you know, to do some of the evening stuff and um, things like that. But then we would do it a little bit or a lot or whatever. But it was like church autopilot it was always kind of there. And then this year it was like, as the week started to get closer to Thursday, I started to think about not having that. And I started to think about like, what would we do to replace it? And so, um, and Amy's always really good at doing that kind of stuff. So she's always got some, some tricks up her sleeve. She probably wouldn't realize or, or think that how good she is at that stuff. But there's always for every holiday, some stuff. It's like, um, it, it's always funny. Cause in a lot of ways it kind of reminds me of my mom. Cause it was like the holiday always kind of got there and you would never see her kind of like working on it, but then it would be like, boom, there'd be stuff. Um, and it's kind of the same way. It's like, I don't really, I'm not watching Amy like get prepared, but then it's like, oh, there's some, a thing. And then I have all this, I have this activity we're going to do as a family. Um, what was your favorite part this week? Well, so I'll, I'll get there in a second. Okay. But so what was kind of, I, I think this is kind of like, this is kind of like my favorite part, but then I also do like a specific part. So like, yeah. I think part of my favorite part was that we, um, in a, so like we normally celebrated the season, which this is good, but through like the liturgy and the stuff that the church kind of gave us, right. but almost as like a spectator a little bit. And whereas I feel like this year, um, we sort of like really leaned into the season and there was stuff that like, there's like family stuff that we did. And I don't know that I would think, I don't know that I wouldn't want to do it again next year, even if we can go to church. Like we go to church and we still do this stuff. So some of the things that I thought were really cool was, um, you know, I thought like sitting with the kids and doing like the Holy Thursday, like foot washing thing, but like our family where we could take time and like our family and it wasn't like in a communion line kind of thing. So our parish does the washing of the feet of everyone in the parish. Every so you, single person. Yeah. So you kind of like communion line it up and then the person in front of you washes your feet and you wash the next person's feet. And it's really beautiful, but it also takes a long time. And so when you're four. Yeah. When you're four I, years old. I think it's, I think it's a little bit hard for you when you're four. Um, or when you're the parent of a four-year-old. Or when you're the parent of a four-year-old. And it's also like 830 at night and it's bilingual, which is also beautiful, but it's like, it's also hard. Right. Yes. And so, so much of what our parish does during Holy Week is bilingual and it makes, and it's beautiful, but it makes it long and it's in the evening, which is hard. So I thought this year, one of the cool things was that we were able to put it where it fit in the day. You know, I thought, I think one of my other favorite parts, um, and count on me to have like meta favorite parts, not like specific favorite parts. <laughs> it's okay. But my other favorite part was, I think that, um, that the kids really were able to lean into things because there was like no schedule. Mm-hmm. So because like our life could get behind and it didn't cause us to rush, we haven't rushed in four days. Cause we haven't needed to. It's like if yeah. we were a half an hour behind schedule, like doesn't matter. The live stream's not going away. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so if the kids took forever to get dressed or decided not to get dressed in some cases, 
it it didn't <laughs> cause a rush into the thing. Yeah. And it and also because we were already at our house and we didn't have to drive both ways and stuff, it didn't cause a um, didn't feel long and we weren't exhausted. And I think that there was a real way of kind of like leaning into it. I don't know how we'll keep that up next year, but I think it was like something. So I think some of my favorite parts has been um, just the ability to kind of sit with the season and and participate in it um, without like the rushing part and the, I don't know, some of the stuff that makes it hard around it. And I think the kids kind of like really leaned into it because it was easier on them and logistically and stuff like that. So, you know, I don't, again, I don't know that how we would keep it next year, but I think some of that stuff, you know, I also think it's been fun to um, kind of work together and figure out how to do stuff and just kind of be led by the Holy Spirit in that and how to um, how to worship without the the gift and the um, what's the word? It's like a gift in two ways. It's like without the gift of the liturgy and for what it is as a gift to us, but also just because it's like simple. You know, like we don't have to think about it. It just exists and it just goes on and it's like a, it's like a train that moves and we get on it kind of thing. But this year we kind of had to be more intentional and think about it um, and kind of lean into it. And I think it's been like, that's been a, a cool part. Um, and it's also, I think I've entered into it a little bit deeper because I've had to kind of like make it. And so I, I think again, adding, you know, hopefully next year we won't be in this situation because I have definitely missed the liturgy a lot, but I think, maybe there's a way of still having our little family church. And it kind of made me think about, you know, the early Christians, part of Exodus, you know, obviously they weren't Christians, they were Jewish, but it's like, you know, you think about like, what did worship look like in the early days before there was like these liturgy, these liturgical things um, that were just kind of given to us and that kind of thing. And it's like, what, what did it look like? And it was just people getting together thinking about what it was. Mm-hmm. And um, that's kind of what it's been. It's also one of my other favorite things has been hearing kind of through you because I've been off social media until really today. Um, but hearing through you what other people are doing mm-hmm. and and inspiring each other from like their ideas to our ideas and like bouncing those ideas around. And hopefully next year we can participate in each other's ideas and mm-hmm. actually like mm-hmm. do that as a community. But it's been cool to hear all the people and feel the feel the energy of the community like still pressing forward even though you know the liturgy is not there yeah for sure um one of our friends sent out this picture or quote or whatever this week um it said the first easter didn't happen at a church it happened outside of an empty tomb while all the disciples were sequestered in a home grief stricken and wondering what was going on so we're all going to be keeping things probably pretty biblical this year <laughs> and so i thought that was like Oh no, that that kind of just struck me like just with everything that's going on right now. But um, yeah, like it's been cool to share um, traditions and um, and we we've been talking. We have a Marco Polo group that with a bunch of us on there, um, and we've been sort of sharing this week sort of what we do for Holy Week and um, and I was really thinking about like just our traditions and and because. A few people got on there and were just like, wow, I didn't know this tradition existed or I didn't know this tradition existed. Um, And some people are kind of like getting really overwhelmed with sort of all these options. And someone made a good point that, um, you know, like if you grew up in Poland and um, 
maybe your tradition for Holy Week would be making like pierogies. And if you grew up in Italy, it would be doing some other thing. But like living in Poland, you before the internet, like you wouldn't have known about all the like the options for traditions in Italy, you know. But now because we have the internet, we're so aware of like all these options that we have and it can get really overwhelming. And then maybe really uh, stop and think about, um, because there were a few traditions that I had posted that people were like, I've never heard about that. Like for Spy Wednesday, that was kind of a new one for a lot of people. And um, and so I, I had been thinking about our traditions and had, hadn't really thought about it in a long time. But um, because like when we got married, your family has like a few traditions and that I think are super cool. Um, like meatless on Christmas Eve or the nut sauce your dad makes. And, um, but like I'm a convert. So, like, I didn't grow up with any Catholic traditions, right? Like, I don't have any traditions for Holy Week. Um, and so when we got married, and especially when we started having kids, I, w- like, was like, well, I, if we're going to have family traditions, like, they're going to start with us. They're going to start with me. And so um, so I kind of went on a hunt for, okay, well, what do people do for this? And so that's, like, I was thinking about, well, these are where my, our traditions have come from was like that the internet was what I had. That was a resource that I had available. And so, um, it's been sort of through trial and error that these traditions have become our traditions because, um, some of them have not worked well. I don't know if you remember, but, um, so for Holy Thursday, one of the ideas that, um, I came across was, um, watching the Prince of Egypt, which I love that idea because on Holy Thursday, we, celebrate the um, institution of the Eucharist and the Prince of Egypt movie like goes through Moses and the and the Passover and like where this came from and this whole tradition and that's like the the meal that Jesus was celebrating when he instituted the Eucharist and everything right and like and we would have gummy frogs or whatever well so I tried to do this with the kids and although they were big fans of like the gummy frogs or whatever and um, some people do like you know that candy that's like crickets or stuff like that my kids hated that movie, <laughs> so it was too scary for them um, when I tried it a couple years ago, and it was a, just a kind of a giant fail. I was like, no, we're going to push through. We're going to watch this. They're going to love it at the end. No, no, it was like a big giant fail, and so that was one of those things that I was like, all right, so this just isn't what we're going to do, um, and then a couple years ago, we um, started doing the, like, we I think we had gone to a couple services when our kids were like super little, um, the Holy Thursday service. And it, you know, because it starts like 8, 8.30 at our church and we have a, like a half an hour drive there, it just became really hard. And so when we did it last year, I think it was either last year or two years ago, we did it for the first time. Um, being able to do it as a family at home and, and I think the not rushing thing is really important when it comes to kids. Um, it was just really beautiful to do it at home, like with our family. Um, and so, and then... Um, we, I got the idea from a blogger, um, to make like a rice crispy lamb, rice crispy treat lamb, um, which has also had mixed results. Um, but I loved that because everybody's like, well, Holy Week is supposed to be, you know, somber and, um, you know, like why the treats or whatever. But, and although it's like, you know, the last supper is, and the foot washing and everything is kind of a solemn thing. It's also the day that we celebrate the institution of the Eucharist, which is like a huge deal. And so um, it seemed fitting to have something to sort of celebrate that. And so I loved 
like the Rice Krispie Treat lamb, um, which you can go on my Instagram account and see last year's attempt, um, which was pretty funny, and then this year's attempt, um, which I think was better, but um, but it's it's kind of it's really more just comical um, to see me try to attempt this. But you know what I think is cool is there's also some traditions that like are just like like why right there is um I forget how this story came across but I think I think it was our buddy Mark that we've heard her talk about but it's you know somebody um was making a ham and they were cutting the ends off and they asked grandma you know hey grandma like you know why do you cut, always cut the ends off of the ham and they were thinking it was like some you know reason because it cooks better or whatever and grandma was like well because when I was you know a long time ago ovens were smaller and the ham never fit mm-hmm. kind of thing and I think we have some of those, right? So um, I was thinking about like our low country boil earlier. So for the last, I don't know, few years, two, mm-hmm. three years, um, we've done a low country boil as our like lunch, big meal, like lunch, dinner kind of thing. Um, and it's like, you know, what's the symbolism behind it? And it's like, well, well, not really. But, you know, the reason why we started doing it, honestly, a few years ago is because I used to cook lamb and risotto and I uh, used to make these little tiny rolls and I would cook car- like these glazed carrots and it was like this big to do. And we'd have like 30 people over and it was like a big thing. And I forget what happened, but, you know, everybody didn't come. I guess it was when your sister um, had kind of moved away and everybody didn't come. And so I was like, you know, I don't know that I want to do all this cooking and cook all day for just us. And it was a lot of work. And so I was like, well, what would be easy but really tasty and good? You know, I'm from Savannah and by the coast and low country boil is kind of a thing. And so I was like, that would be cool. And, and so we started doing it. So really it was just, it was a pragmatic kind of decision. But I think it's the tradition nonetheless. And I think it's one of those things that um, – that we can remember kind of moving forward. Same with like, you know, again, talking about Exodus 90, you know, part of the Exodus 90 thing is like no sweets or whatever. So it's been like 90 days with no, no real sweets or anything like that for me. And so like, what do I break that fast with? Well, for the last few years, it's been these uh, chocolate chip cookies that Amy makes um, that are really good. And it's like, that doesn't really have any symbolism other than like, it's something that I really like. And it's like the treat that breaks the, it's like the celebratory treat. And so I think, um, I don't know that traditions have to be so weighty or so cerebral. I think some of them do. Like the lamb's cool, right? Um, Obviously, there's like a thing behind that. There's a story. I think the, you know, running around chasing quarters and and all that stuff is is cool. But I also Mm -hmm. think that some of it is just, I think there's just a routine and a habit Mm -hmm. that's just cool for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes it special because low country boil isn't something we have every week. Right. And getting out the pot and the whole thing and the smell and everybody looking forward to it. Everybody really likes it. It's like, I don't know, it's a treat. And I think it's a cool tradition, even though it doesn't have any sort of deep, meaningful symbolism or anything like that. Yeah, I love that every year for Easter, you ask for my cookies. Like, that's the one thing he asks for in his Easter basket. And I kind of love that. And that we will smell like low country boil for a week because we basically sat in the steam of it today, crammed into our little tiny front porch, but because it was other rain. But yeah, so... Um, yeah, it's funny that you mentioned, like, spectator, because I wrote only, like, jotted down, like, just a couple of things on a, st- a small sticky note, and one of the things was, um, I feel like our faith especially, but especially during this time, like, been called to not be just observers in our faith, like, to be true participants, and, like, we get sort of, you know, t- Catholics get teased for the all the up-down, up-down in Mass and stuff, but, like, but I, I think this week has made me super, super thankful for our sacraments. Like, so the sacraments in our church are are so, like, sensual. Like, we 
it just indulges the senses like everything about mass from like incense and that smell um the the um i love the easter vigil because it starts out in complete and total darkness um and so that engagement of like your sight and like that the church starts out dark and they it, like the whole mass begins for this long period where it's all dark and then there's this part where like all the lights come back on there's the candles and then like you have the music and the alleluia and the gloria coming back to the mass and so you have like you know your your what you're hearing and and it's just like and then like the eucharist you know that's the one we're really missing right now and that's like the taste and um and i just i i love how our senses really um those traditions like really create memories and like and so are that like living our faith with all of our senses i just i think it's really beautiful that like god knew what he was doing when he made the sacraments like for our senses and so um one of the cool things about this week was you had done some unleavened bread and like that taste and I don't know I, I felt like that really to me t- like tied into like your senses and walking this week. So yeah, I think. I um, share that. Yeah, so I, th- I think there's some interesting things about going back and trying to like put yourself into the scriptures, and so I actually noticed. So I don't remember if it was the first Exodus or the second, but um, during that ninety days, I had gotten kind of into sourdough. And I had kind of gotten into um, just fermentation in general and, um, you know, making sauerkraut and pickles and different things. And one of the interesting things about fermentation is that it happens spontaneously. So I bought this book by Sandra Katz called Wild Fermentation. Actually, I think you gave it to me for my birthday or Christmas or something. And, um, and what's interesting is, is the way that you get things to ferment, sourdough, pickles, sauerkraut, is you just put water and salt and the thing and the salt keeps away the bad bacteria and then you just start, kind of stir it up in the process of making it and the air touches it and there's yeast in the air and like lactobacillus bacteria and it just starts to spontaneously ferment but it takes time so like to make the the sourdough you know it takes time it takes like seven or ten days to actually get something going and then it takes a, like a whole day to kind of like make the leaven which is like a little bit of starter in this and it gets activated in this little bit of uh, water and wheat and then you put that in the dough and then it takes another day to kind of like ferment the dough and, and make it bubbly and all that stuff so it's a process that takes time so when i was what hit me was that unleavened bread it wasn't like they were making bread and they left out an ingredient yeast like what we would do if we were making bread today in kind of modern world what they were doing is they were making the bread that you need to eat when you had to move mm-hmm. when you didn't have time to fool with it when you were like you know what so so the only difference between unleavened bread and leavened bread is that the unleavened bread was the yeast and the water mixed together and just cooked. And then the leavened bread was yeast and water mixed together to wait, sit. Wait, you mean wheat. Sorry. The only difference between unleavened bread and leavened bread was the unleavened bread is just wheat and water mixed together and just straight up cooked. And then the unleavened or the leavened bread was wheat and water mixed together, set out, set out to ferment for some period of time, mm-hmm. then added to more wheat and water that would then the the leaven would make its way into that that whole batch and it would rise and it was interesting but what was interesting for me this year so what i did was from basically friday morning to saturday um i basically only ate unleavened bread um and i made you know i looked up it was cool i found a rabbi on youtube that was making like uh passover matzah and i said that's what i'm gonna make i'm gonna make passover matzah and so literally it's water and wheat uh, mixed together and rolled out uh, very thin and then cooked over like a hot pan or a grate um, over a fire 
and you have to do it within 18 minutes for it to count as like Passover matzah because more than that, it starts to ferment. And, you know, God said, no, no yeast at all. And it's the bread of haste. Everything's supposed to be done quickly. So you make, you need it quickly. You cook it quickly over high heat. You roll it out quickly. Um, it, it's just everything is quick. And, and it's kind of bland. It's nourishing. Like I felt like I ate something when I was done with it. But it was like kind of absent of anything interesting. It didn't have any salt. It didn't have any fat. It didn't have any, the, the wheat was good. We used, you know, freshly milled flour and it, it, it tasted weedy, but it was kind of um, absent of anything, but just sort of nourishment. And even the texture was like, it, it was kind of. Crackery. It was a little crackery. It was a little bit like dense and bready, but it was like, it was, it was kind of annoying to eat. Like it was kind of <laughs> chewy and kind of like annoying, right? And then last night we did like a little bit of like an Easter vigil thing at the house. And so after that, I sort of broke my fast and and I was kind of done with Exodus 90 and everything. And so it kind of came out of Easter last night, but on my way, but Amy earlier in the week, this is like a long story, but it's cool. (laughs) So Amy earlier in the week had made um, some bread that she makes. It's like a kind of a sandwich bread, but it's kind of a sweet sandwich bread and it rises and it's it's good. It's like a honey wheat. So I decided that I would have a a slice of bread last night with butter um, before I went to bed after our little Easter vigil thing. And it was interesting, the contrast, because that bread had kind of all the accoutrements. It had mm-hmm. like some some sweetener from the honey. It had risen, so the texture was really nice. It had butter over the top of it. And the part where, you know, the Bible talks about like the bread of affliction. It's mm-hmm. like, I got it, right? And it was like such a contrast between the bread when you have time and there's abundance, when you have extra money for things like honey and you have extra time for things like fermentation to occur. And, um, you know, we even, we used instant yeast in that, in that dough, but it still takes all day to kind of like, it has to rise twice and that kind of thing. Um, and it, it was like an interesting, really interesting contrast, you know, unleavened bread will nourish you. It's the minimum of what you need. Mm-hmm. It, it's in a, in a pinch, in a haste, you'll eat and you'll go. And there's a big contrast between kind of being in the desert, eating and going and being in the sort of resurrection, um, where, you kind of get some more abundance. And um, so that was kind of a fun experiment this year that I did. Um, Probably do that again at school. Yeah, the last couple of weeks, I feel like um, I've really been learning about sort of the physicality of our faith, like and how tied um, together, like the body and the spirit really are. Um, And God's been teaching me some cool stuff about that. And I think what was really um, special about this time, like you mentioned the no rushing. And I don't know that I would have had words to, ex- to explain that until you said that, like just the no rushing. And, um, but because of like the lack of rushing and, and the trying to get to mass and, you know, we live like 30 minutes from church. And so there's all the getting ready and then the driving and then the sitting, you know, sitting at church, which is fine for us, but hard when you have little kids. Um, I think like the things that the traditions that we've done, I are oftentimes sort of put into this rushing schedule and, and I haven't had as much time to, um, sometimes we, we end up just doing the tradition just cause we have it. Um, and not really giving as much thought to it. And I think that the no, like, because we've been not rushing around, um, there's, there's just been able to think more about these things and why we do them and like the depth of them and, and, um, and so one of the things that we do is um, on Wednesday, Holy Wednesday, it's called Spy Wednesday because it's the day that we remember when Judas betrayed Jesus. 
And somebody made a comment that it's like, that's a really weird day to like celebrate. And I don't know that celebrate is like the, quite the right word for it, but, um, um, but so what we do is we hide 30 pieces of silver or in our case quarters, like around the house and the kids find them. And this activity, um, is a little bit of like a bait and switch. Um, and so, you know, the kids get super excited about finding quarters cause it's just fun. And, um, but then what ends up happening is, you know, somebody gets more quarters than the other and somebody's not happy about it. I'm not naming names. Um, and, um, and so you end up getting to talk about like jealousy and, and those feelings. And, um, and so I was, you know, looking at, so, and we read the reading about Judas betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, right? And, and one of the questions they came up and, and something I've wrestled with over the last couple of years was um, G- Judas walked with Jesus. Like, he was a disciple. He saw Jesus do all these miracles. And, um, and like, he, he was literally, like, living with the Son of God, right? And how is it even possible that, um, that he could do this, do this thing? And uh, I read some, and because I had time this week and I was thinking about it, I had time to read this thing, and it was talking about how, like, Judas didn't, the, when I was thinking about it, like, Judas just all of a sudden flipped and, like, did this bad thing, right? But that's not the case. Like, and this thing I read said, like, it was in every single little act. It was, it was in all the little things leading up until that moment. It was all the little ways that he slowly pulled away from Jesus, that he slowly isolated himself and pulled away from Jesus. And it just, like, hit me in the gut of, like, how easy is it, you know, like, there's, there's the big things like, okay, I haven't murdered and okay, I haven't like committed adultery and, you know, I haven't done all these like big things, right? But how many times a day in those little ways do I say, nope, my will, not your will. And, and those little ways that I turn away from God and how easy it is that when you build those little on little on little and how those little things add up. And, it, and because of like our, the time and the slowness in our schedule, like I had time to really like think about that and how it could have just as easily been me um and what's cool is what we also discuss on holy wednesday is the difference between judas and peter and so peter um like you know also betrayed jesus and he denied him three times but and what you but what we talk about with the kids and these are kind of heavy subjects and you know we'll dive into them more as they get older but like we see the difference of how judas handled it and how peter handled it and judas like hanged himself he decided to take things into his own hands but Peter humbled himself and he repented and he corrected his relationship with Jesus. And like, and it's just cool to contrast those, those things. And like, if we approach Jesus with a humble heart, like how we can fix that even when we screw up. And so that was like, we, I got to dive deeper into that, you know, and, and as our kids grow up, I hope like that tradition is something we can go deeper and deeper and like add layers to that tradition. But for right now, as they're little, it's like, they'll remember like the 30 pieces of silver and like, and and we watched, you know, this little video on, like, the meaning of the of it and everything. But, um, you know, that's one of the interesting things about Exodus 90, right? It's like, so I was um, riding the Peloton this morning. If anybody out there is listening, I'm Tim Zach. You should follow me. I'd love to ride with you. But I was riding this morning, <laughs> and the instructor said something that I thought was interesting. We were, I was doing this, like, fitness test thing on there, and it was, like, super hard. It was, like, 20 minutes of, like, full out, like, as hard as you could go. And, um, and we had, like, two minutes left. And... It was interesting because the instructor was talking about how um, 
it's it's the interesting time of the ride where you've just like gone through this hard thing and you've just been full out for all this time but when you reach down for that knob and you take the resistance off and you release yourself from this hard thing that you kind of start to miss it Mm. because there was like something in that hardness that you miss and I was like what is that and then I was thinking about the this was actually yesterday not that it matters I was yesterday's ride not this morning um but well, I was like, what is that? And it's kind of like the same thing with Exodus, right? It's like, so I, when I do Exodus the first year, they send out books. Now it's an app. And so I, I was using the book and it's interesting to kind of use the book because the book is, I forget, you know, however many pages, it's like two or three times, two or three pages a day times, you know, 90 days. So about 200 pages or so. So it's kind of a thick, like novel sized book. And, um, and it's interesting because the bookmark marches through the book and it sort of like keeps time. And so at first the bookmarks in the front and you're like, man, I have so far to go. And then at some point you're kind of in the middle and you're like, oh, this is, you know, I've got a bunch behind me, but I still have a bunch ahead of me. And then before I knew it, the bookmark was kind of like at the end of the book. And you start to think about, well, like what's next? Mm-hmm. And, and I was thinking about, it's kind of like the same thing as like that ride. It's like you're doing this hard thing. And when you're in it, you're like, man, this is really hard. And then when you're about to release the pressure and release the tension, be released from all this asceticism you're kind of like, well, but what was it about it that, that like I'm going to miss? And I think what it partially was, was it's kind of like the bread thing. It's like the contrast between the unleavened bread and, and your sandwich bread made your sandwich bread taste more because I was like kind of paying attention to it because I had this contrast with this other thing. And I think that, um, there's something to that like Lent or there's something to um, even the like lack of liturgy this year or mm-hmm. even just not even like this year and during this particular season, but just the lack of liturgy in our daily routine where I think hopefully when we go back to it, it's richer mm-hmm. because we have this sort of contrast of sort of fasting from it, mm-hmm. you know? The other thing that's, you know, and you think about fasting, like what's interesting about fasting is it's always about giving up like a good thing. It's not about giving up bad things. You're just supposed to give up bad things forever. You're not supposed to go back to those. So it's like you would never intentionally fast from liturgy because it's so good and we need it. But being that sort of being thrust upon us, mm-hmm. um, it'll be an interesting contrast to kind of go back to um, this from this simple getting it done nourishment kind of thing. And I think we've done a little more than that, but but we're just kind of treading water. It's kind of like the unleavened bread. It's like the the bread of affliction. It will get you by. It will nourish you. It doesn't taste horrible. It tastes fine. You can, you know, and, and as I made it three times between two times on Friday and one time on Saturday, I think it got better. I kind of got <laughs> used to it and kind of figured it out. But it, it still wasn't rich and full. It still, and at the end, was what it was. Mm-hmm. And then there's this cool contrast. And so I think in all, all kind of those those things, so it's like I almost... You know, as I think about heading into the end of this, whatever it is, it's like, I I think that first week when Mass is again, I think I might get a little bit of that weird feeling, like, I almost miss Mm -hmm. the barren time, because of what it, because of, I, I think, I think what I miss, I think what that feeling is, is it's the perspective that it brings, and I think it's also, um, the focus. Mm Mm-hmm on what it is um, that, that you're kind of doing. You have to be sort of like very intentional mm-hmm. about it, um, not just on autopilot. So Yeah, yeah. 
I think you enjoy the feast more when you've had the fast. It means more. There's something more to it. Yeah, and I think that might be a podcast in and of itself because I think across every, you know, I guess everybody knows at this point there's been like disciplines across sort of like every area of my life over the last few years. And I mean, you too. But it's like I think I think it, I think that's universally true, whether it's something sort of physical or something that's sort of more spiritual or something more emotional or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the fast feast thing. And, mm-hmm. and that makes sense because of what you said, that we're sort of all one unified being and all these are just sort of like aspects of, of who we are. Sure. Um, yeah, so that's Easter. You know, I think... Um, you know, part of why I wanted to record this podcast, I kind of thought about this this morning was that I just wanted to reach out to everybody and hear, you know, hear some voices, right? Because I think one of the things that is sad about this time is, you know, we're not kind of with our friends. And I think we're um, another thing that's we just sort of missed. And it was fun to drive up and get like our Easter baskets blessed, like Amy said, from the from the car, because you looked around and you saw some community and we saw our priest in real life instead of on the screen, which you know, and, and I think he saw us too. You know, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is I'm so grateful for, you know, my family being here because I'm not alone. You know, I have three people who I like to be around in my house. And so if I got to be holed up somewhere, what a great place to be holed up. But I think about all those who are alone, um, who, who live alone, who maybe have family, but they're far away. I think there was something different about sort of like seeing Father Eric in the flesh through the window and yeah. waving at him. And I think him seeing all of us, um, was cool. And so I was, I was glad that that kind of happened, but I just wanted to hear, I want everybody to hear our voice. You know, I think it would be cool, um, wherever you're listening to this, if people want to drop comments of like what they did, Mm -hmm. because one of the other beautiful things, and I sort of touched on this a little bit, but it's been like, it's really made me think about, you know, those times, like when they had church in the catacombs and it's like those times when being a Christian wasn't popular and -hmm. those times when being a Christian was even dangerous. And it's like, you know, we're not in that world now, praise be to God, but it's like, but I'm, I think about, you know, sometimes you think about like all these churches closing down in like the North and stuff like that. And and we happen to be a part of a very vibrant community that's actually growing and it's awesome. But you think about, you know, sometimes people talk about how our world is falling away from its faith and there's, you know, fewer Catholics and fewer Christians and what's going to happen in the next generation. And there's probably things to worry about, legitimate things to worry about with all that. But what was really cool to look around was all of our our friends, Catholic or not, um, who were just like just leaning in, you know, and it's like this stuff's just not going to stop us. Mm -hmm. And it it gave me a lot of hope to think about, you know, hopefully we'll never get to that day. But it's like, what if I'm not worried about it? Because what was very true and the reason why I kind of picked that song, we heard that song at mass this morning, we were listening to it on the live stream, but it's like part of what I think is so beautiful about that song is it's like, you know, we celebrate the empty tomb today, but what we really celebrate is like our God is alive. Mm-hmm. He rose from the dead 2000 years ago. Um, he, he resurrected 2000 years ago and he's still alive today. Mm-hmm. He is alive. Not he was alive, mm-hmm. not he was risen. He is risen. And I think just shouting from the rooftops, like he is alive and he's alive in all of us. And he's alive in all of our friends who are, trying to get by and he's alive in this community that that's going to happen even when um, for all the reasons we can't be together. um, We're going to be together. You know, we're going to do this thing and and God's with us and Easter came so many, you know, and I I think people probably over, but there's a little bit of overblown media stuff around, 
you know, people talking about how Easter's canceled and, you know, different politicians have kind of said, you know, don't go to mass and stuff. And people have interpreted that as like Easter's canceled. And, you know, so many people have reacted and said Easter's not canceled. Happens anyway. And it's like, you know, even without diving into the, the politics around all that stuff, like totally not canceled. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it, it happened. It will happen. Um, Sunday came. You know, one of the cool things, Amy made signs for our little Easter basket thing. Um, you know, we put them outside the car doors and it's kind of like a parade float for a little bit. For the blessing of the Easter food, yeah. Yeah, it was like a little bit, like a parade float. It was kind of funny. But <laughs> one of them said, you know, no matter like how lonely or no matter how bad Good Friday was and how lonely Good Saturday or Holy Saturday was, Sunday came. You know, and I think it's very pertinent to our world right now. Um, and just in general, right? It's like it, it will always come. Jesus rose from the dead and he is alive and that's something to celebrate you know all together so yeah I hope we can connect and I think too what's going to be super awesome about this is that I almost feel like we're going to get Easter twice this year like I feel like when all this is over and we're able to go back to mass I feel like it's going to be Easter again and like I'm super excited about that and I feel like we're going to get Easter twice yeah I, I felt Father Eric today when he said that one of the things that he misses is the noise at our, our parish. So our parish, our church is built of all hard surfaces. The floor is hard. The pews are hard. We have this holy water font pool thing in the front baptismal pool, you know, like full immersion kind of thing. And it's got like a fountain and it's running. And there's just generally, you know, even if people are trying to be quiet, there's a lot of like just noise at the beginning of mass. It's just a loud, it's a loud place to be. People just move in. It's just a loud place to be. And sometimes it's, you know, it's hard because the, the loudness, you know, it's different than what I grew up with. Um, and sometimes it can be a little bit distracting and trying to focus and prepare for mass. But one of the beautiful things about it is it's so alive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Father Eric said today, you know, it's just him and a handful of folks, just the ne- necessary people to pull mass off today. And he said, you know, that the silence in that building is deafening. And, you know, our, our community is so vibrant. And that, that noise. And I think that like, it's going to be fun to be back in. Cause I mean, our house was quiet too, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, it's just the four of us sitting on the couch and it was quiet. I think it's, I think I, I do kind of miss that life mm-hmm. that comes from that. And, I, and I'm looking forward to sitting back in the pew and it being kind of loud. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cool. So like I said, if you know, I'd love to hear what other folks did. Um, love to be inspired by what's going on with other people. And hopefully it's inspiring to hear our voice whenever you listen to this. But, um, you know, being connected to everybody is important to us. So, um, yeah, that was kind of what we're doing here. <laughs>